from One World Trade Center in Manhattan, overlooking dozens of golf courses that will never have us as members, this is the Golf Digest Podcast. Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. This is Sam Wyman. I'm joined by an esteemed panel of, I'm sorry, actually, I don't have an esteemed panel. It's just Joel Beal, Alex Myers, and Ryan Harrington. They, they were here instead. Uh, gentlemen, we're here to talk about the 2016 Open Championship, which is next week. And it feels like only a couple days ago that we were predicting the U.S. Open. And it's a partly a reflection of a very compact schedule this year. And actually, that's a good place as any to start, guys, which is if you're going to predict the Open at Troon, what about what you're looking at would be different from what you would be looking at heading into Oakmont? Does that, Ryan, does that question make sense? And if so, how would you start? I think so. I, I think uh, the way I'd start it is I, I think uh, the the Open Championship is a lot more open. Uh, I, I think you had a, a pretty narrow group of people that were realistically having a shot at Oakmont, in part because of the way the golf course is set up, in part because of the way the USGA runs the US Open. Um, I, I think at the uh, Open Championship, it's a lot more uh, wide open, if you will. And I just think there's a lot of... Uh, a much bigger swath of players have a, a shot if they're playing well this week of actually winning. Does that have anything to do with the fact that the last champion at Troon was Todd Hamilton? Whether Troon specifically or the Open in general, I just feel like th- there's not a cookie-cutter image in my mind of a guy that wins uh, the the British Open. The only thing that comes to my mind is a guy who, who can play well in bad weather. Sure. And so I do think that eliminates a lot of a field. If, if you're not going to – and ironically, you know – a guy like Rory McIlroy, who you'd think would play well over in those conditions, hasn't always played well in those conditions. Well, it's worth pointing out right away, which is that we do this every year where we talk about the Open and about your ability to play well in poor weather and keeping the ball below the wind. And a lot of times the weather in the Open is fine. It's, you know, it's, it's not that dramatic. This week coming up looks pretty miserable at Royal Troon, a, a lot of rain, a fair amount of wind. So I think all of that holds true when you get that excess baggage uh charge on yes. my expense report just understand it's because it's all the extra yes. gear i gotta bring over um which also is good that we're sending alex a guy who mm. is noted for being a, a you know Talk. anytime i think of bad weather i think this is weather alex myers would look but it's for. such a it's such a bad gauge because alex is going to complain under the best of circumstances yes. so if you're going to have bad weather it doesn't really change that much good point no. true I, I i honestly don't know how these guys play in this weather i, I mean and you can tell some of the guys don't like to do it. But but to Ryan's point, that is what separates it. And, yes, the weather forecast looks bad, but there will be periods of time where it's good and there will be periods of time where it's awful. And, again, that's where there's even more luck involved in the draw. I think that is why you see more fluke winners. The courses themselves, uh, link-style courses, you're, you're playing the ball along the ground a mm-hmm. lot more. You're getting a lot more you know bounces, some good bounces, some bad. So not only do you have to deal with that, but you have to, you know, be able to react to that, not let it get to you. Same with the weather. If you happen to get the bad side of the draw, you know, we saw Louis Oosthuizen a few years ago. The reason why he ran away with that was he had perfect draw. And I mean, he'd be the first to admit that, I'm sure. But that can go your way and it can go against you. But as, as a result, I agree with Ryan, opens the field up a lot more. Uh, we can see some weird things happen. Here's, here's another thing we were talking about before we uh, went on the air here, which was putting, which is the – great fallacy about the open championship is that putting matters less at a british open than it does at the other three majors and let me clarify when i say matters less which is say 
you don't have to be the world's best putter to be competitive in an open troll. Is that true, do you think? I think it is. It's not just because there's a, a lack of undulation on the greens, but because of so much wind over there, the greens tend to be a little bit higher, so you're not going to have the you know snip at you know 13 or 14 mm-hmm. like you would say at a U.S. Open. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that it definitely holds up true, at least if you look for the last 15 years or so. Yeah. We looked at – we just ran some numbers um, looking at the Open champions in in how they fared for that season – putting-wise, which is a little bit noteworthy, which is Zach Johnson, who's generally considered a very good putter, but the year he won the Open, 96 on the tour in strokes game putting. Rory McIlroy was 41st that year, which is his best year. That's a really good year. A very good year for him. Uh, The outlier in this group is Phil Mickelson in 2013. Always a good putter, but a very streaky putter. So he's had, you know, out of this world putting. Actually, that year, the year he won at Mirafield, he was fifth on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. But then back to sort of all over the place, Ernie Ellis, 2012, was 109th uh, in strokes game putting. Whenever we go through this exercise of trying to predict the open, and we think about, well, you don't have to be a great putter, but you know you have to hit the ball really well. I always think of Sergio Garcia, and you know he's also a guy who has played well. You know, in the last two majors, has been a factor. Um, is there a reason to believe that this is a venue where he could break through on? Certainly. I mean, he has nine career top tens in the British Open. It's by far his best major. I think this putting, you know is a reason for that he's obviously he's improved his putting the last couple years on tour actually but he's never been known as a great putter certainly not under pressure and but yet at at the British Open he's been able to hold up hang in there Uh, you know he gave Rory a a battle a couple years ago obviously at Oakmont he got in the mix uh, just a few weeks back you know now that you see a guy like Dustin Johnson win you start to look at who's the guy who who hasn't won a major and for so long it's been Sergio I think it's back to being Sergio as as probably being at least the guy with the best resume not to win one and you know you'd have to think that every time someone does break through that has to give a little more confidence to someone who's still looking for the first major so I think Sergio is going to be a very trendy pick this week and and I don't see why he shouldn't be I totally agree I think you don't want to always look at the hot hand, so to speak, or whatnot, but you, you can't help but do that, obviously, given that the U.S. Open was just a couple of weeks ago here. I, I think the other thing that the Open has lent itself to is an older winner, frankly. I mean, Phil Mickelson, when he won, uh, Darren Clark in, in 2011, Ls in 2012. And so I, I think, as I said before, it's so much more wide open, this championship, than other majors. Yeah. Lee Westwood, to me, is a guy that I think I, we should be watching. He's very much along the lines of a Darren Clark here in terms of this guy who's muddled along, who's been in contention at majors numerous times, never won one. Maybe this is his week. You know, he's he's played well here at Troon twice before. Um, and, and coming off, obviously, a really difficult Sunday at, at Oakmont, but, uh, but a good week nonetheless. And so I, I think it's those kind of storylines uh, that you're going to see this week that, that you don't necessarily see at every other major. Oh, Let's talk about the obvious, which is that you have Dustin Johnson, who has uh, obviously won the Open at Oakmont in very impressive fashion, and backs that up with a win at Bridgestone. Why would anyone bet against him right now? Uh, well, considering I was the one who picked him to win the U.S. Open. Wait, did he? Pat on can, the we, back. can we roll the tape there, Brittany? On the did back, he? Um, and you asked that first question, what really has changed? Not a lot has changed. He, he won the U.S. Open. He wins at Bridgestone. Um, you know, the way he hits the ball, the wind is not going to affect his ball flight as much as nearly anybody else. He's one of the, you know, low ball hitter. Um, the putting we just mentioned is not as much in play this week. He, that's obvious, That's probably the, the weakest part of his game. So, yeah, I mean, he. I just saw he's actually up to 8-1 to one odds. Uh, he started at 12-1. to one. 
Uh, he's now moved to the, being the second favorite, only behind Jason Day. So he's obviously getting a, a lot of action on him in Vegas, and, and it's certainly warranted with the way he's been playing. What about Day? I mean, he played, he played real, relatively well at Bridgestone. You know, was there into the you know end of mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, and again, I think depending on what he does, seventeen at Oakmont, this is a guy who you know was right there, um, right there in Pittsburgh as well. The only thing that kind of worries me about about Day is we talk about earlier this tep- temperament you need to have the open. Day was right there again at St. Andrews, but it just kind of seemed like when the weather got a little iffy there uh, during that delay, Day kind of went south a little bit. You you wonder, even though he has conquered the, the major off, off his back and he's had a really good year this year, I still wonder when things start going a little bit south, is he able to pump the brakes and keep things on even keel or do things kind of spiral out of control? I think Day is – I'd actually like Day more than Dustin this week, but I, I do worry if – when the winds pick up, does they have the even though his iron game is one of the best on tour, he doesn't seem to play exactly really well in the wind. Yeah, like, but you talk about his lack of uh, well, I mean, it seems like you're saying grit is a maybe an issue with him. But he had a terrible start at Oakmont and then rallies back from that and factors into contention pretty late. So and that showed me a lot because there's a lot of guys who kind of have these middling starts and as a result of that, they they just kind of the wind comes out of their sails right away and he actually worked his way back over the course of it. So I could see him very much being in the picture. Also, speaking of putting, it feels to me, this is completely anecdotal, but it feels to me that the guy who plays well and opens, the guy who makes just, you know, the occasional 40-footer, you know, bomb, and he's as good as anyone from, like, long-distance putting. I, I think Day, I agree with you, Joel. I think Day, I would take over Johnson right now. I mean, if you think about what happened at Bridgestone, it was as much Day kind of spitting the bit on 16 and really kind of, giving i think johnson the win obviously he he won by a couple shots but at the same time day kind of exploded there you'd argue okay does that affect his psyche going in i don't think so i think he's over what happened at st andrews i think that major championship win at whistling straits does that and and i just think the momentum that he's had throughout the year here is is enough to get him over any kind of psychological hurdles and uh, you know i i just for something about johnson right now dj I, he's never played all that great at a British Open. I, I know this is different now. He's playing really well. I, but for some reason, this has never been the major that I've ever looked at and go, oh, gosh, Dustin Johnson, that's the guy I'm going to pick this week. Uh, I, I just don't – It's a, it, it, again, very anecdotal, just like you said. Right. But at the same time, uh, I, I don't look at, at DJ necessarily being the favorite, even though he's playing probably better than anybody else right now. You know, I saw on some fantasy site, and I, I don't know how great this stat is, because, but it is amazing how – deep we can take these stats but there was actually a stat for strokes gained in the wind since 2013 and day was number one Um, which isn't that surprising because he's great all around but uh and dustin johnson was number four forgot there were a couple weird names up there bill haas surprisingly was in the top 10 you know i I always have to bring him into the mix daniel berger was up there so there's a sleeper out there for you guys but um Wait, just to be clear, strokes gained in the wind, meaning overall, yeah, your overall was, score in the wind. Oh, strokes gained, uh, yeah, strokes gained in the wind. It had to be an average wind of at least 14 miles per hour for the day, and and you had to have at least 25 rounds where you played in a day. Again, don't know how Very details, but yeah. but day was easily number one, which was amazing because he hits the ball so high. But um, you know, I guess with with his putting and everything else, he still makes up for it. Um, you know, they're definitely the two best players right now. They've had the two best seasons. Uh, Dustin Johnson is really almost, I mean, not come out of nowhere, but to be number two in the world now. And I mean, I don't, he might, can he get to number one if he, if he wins? He must be pretty close. So certainly he's, it's just tough to evaluate him on any other 
year because he is riding so high right now, and I think he finally believes that he should be, you know, winning winning every week and, and being up there near the top of the rankings. But they're they're definitely the two best guys right now. I mean, we're not saying anything. I think you know, what was impressive about Dustin surprising. last week is I think going to Oakmont, he was one of the favorites, but I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to do well at Firestone. No. At least historically, yeah. that wasn't, of course, that fit his game. I think adding this fade to it off the tee, you know, historically he's been a guy who's played a draw. The fact that he's playing a little bit more of a fade and off the tee, I think it's really – you're seeing that in his accuracy. If you look at what Troon's produced historically, besides American winners, it's been guys who can keep the ball in the fairway, especially when you saw – Hamilton won in 04, or 03, excuse me. So I think that if Johnson's able to do that, he has a shot this week. Yeah. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, Alex and Ryan will both be uh, heading to Troon. Uh, it's a shame that they don't have any golf lined up for, for next week, so I'm sorry to hear. Just one round. Just one? Really? That's it? Yeah. Shocker. Um, where, where does the open rank, just despite your the golf, uh, personal golf opportunities, that majors present themselves. Where does the open rank for you in terms of your favorite majors, in terms of covering the drama it produces, that sort of thing? I, I definitely, uh, for me, it, it's uh, as fun as any tournament to cover. It's more fun than the U.S. Open, more fun than the PGA, and Masters is probably about the same because of that off-course stuff. Sure. The atmosphere in every one of these towns that hosts the the, the British Open is, is is it's a cliche but it's it's pretty amazing the golf the the inspiration that you get from the fans in terms of their appreciation for the game their appreciation for the open coming to their their course their city if you will this time around through the rota uh, is really special and so you know the tournament itself sometimes maybe is a little anticlimactic compared to other major tournaments if you will but if you put in the entire package the atmosphere that you get uh, this is as fun a tournament for me as any that i cover yeah, the off-the-course stuff is pretty fantastic. I mean, the golf, put it this way, it's the only time I'll consider playing in bad weather. <laughs> so, But it's just kind of what you do over there, and you just accept it, and you have a good time. So, that, uh, you know, it's, just, it's, it, it's unique in that. You know, if you're a borderline degenerate gambler like myself, you can walk down the street, go to a betting parlor. I, you know, you can, you can do a lot of things. You it can also eat a lot of bad food, which I, I don't partake in and uh well it stays late until yes. 10 o'clock if you will yep. i mean the, the environment again the, the towns themselves are alive throughout the entire uh, week right. i mean you just don't have that kind of a atmosphere at a at a, a major over in the united states just because it's just not built like that and and i agree with you just getting a chance to go into the towns and do some of the different things whether it's gambling whether it's food whether it's whatever um it, it it's just different and 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 it, it's a lot of fun the, the fact I, I still i'm always blown away by the fact that anybody can just show up and buy a ticket and go watch you know you don't have to have the these tickets well in advance or whatnot, you just decide that you want to go this week, you can buy a ticket and walk in. I mean, what kind of an event in the United States do you ever have necessarily, or a big-time event like this where you where you can go just walk up like that? You, you I mean, can't do it. So it, it's a different thing. It definitely preaches golf a game of the people, and by their actions and things like that, it definitely shows it. But what I love about the British Open is it seems – and you could say this about the Masters as well, but the course is just as much of a part of the storyline, especially you know when it's at St. Andrews or, or Muirfield or Carnoustie and even Troon. It seems like this is one of the few opportunities. I don't think you necessarily get this in a U.S. Open or PGA Championship. And just as from a viewing experience as well, being able to wake up early on, on a <laughs> Saturday morning at you know six or seven and see the guys already teeing off, there's just something that feels a little bit like you're you know playing hooky from school in that type of sense. And for every reason, that, that type of ambiance, I think, creates a lot of good memories, at least it does for me. You know, growing up, my dad and I would wake up early on a Saturday, Sunday, make breakfast, and, and watch you up. And things like that, just a little off the beaten path compared to what we're usually used to, at least from a 
TV experience in America. When we were talking before, uh, when we had this discussion about the U.S. Open, and I was telling you how much I don't really like U.S. Open golf because it's so defensive. I love uh, this golf. I love Lynx golf because um, just that visual of a guy hitting a shot from the fairway and they pan in on him. He has no idea <laughs> where it's going to end up. But there, but there is like, but it's not completely a game of chance. I mean, there is a lot of skill involved. You're, you're skeptical of that, Alex. There's certainly skill involved, but I, there's definitely more left to chance in Lynx golf, um, I think, than any but other. I, okay, but I think that, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that the beauty of, of Lynx golf is good players know how to manage risk. Mm-hmm. So whereas at, you know, Augusta, you're hitting it to a space of, you know, 10 by 10. If you hit it there, you're going to hit a great shot. It, it's more about okay, I have to hit it to the right side of this green at the right pace to be able to funnel it down. I mean, there's, it, it's obviously there's more, there's more chance involved given the way, the, the way you play the game. But the great players know how to calculate that into their game plans. And, yes, you're going to occasionally get a Ben Curtis who just you know, gets some good bounces late and has Thomas Bjorn take four shots in a bunker to win. But I, I, you're, I'm amazed at the skill involved, which is an obvious statement in winning or playing well in these events. Sure. I mean, Tiger always talks about how Lynx golf is his favorite golf. He loves the imagination. He loves seeing shots. And again, that's, but that's because he's Tiger. I mean, he's, he's one of the greats. And I, I think the great players see that way. I, I think it's tougher for the average golfer to kind of grasp it. I don't know, at least for me, I, it just, it just seems like there, there's such an element of chance. Uh, what's the, what's the, um, Royal St. George's where the 18th well, fairway. Well, yeah, it's a I mean, You can't hit the yeah. fairway. I mean, you hit it down the middle, and it's you have a 50-50 chance of staying in the fairway. That's a little kooky to me. Um, but, you know, again, the again, I know this is where golf started, so this is how it should be versus what we're used to over in the U.S. So it's, it's a great tournament. It's a great event. It's very exciting. Um, especially one time a year to kind of watch well, this. Well, it's not even only just that this is how it should be, and you can make the argument that whether that's really true or not. I, I don't I don't want to get into that fight. John Huggins not with us today. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, but what I, I do think is interesting is the ability, and it's kind of like the Masters, if you will, because you're at the same place all over and over again. There is a familiarity with these courses, and it brings into uh, brings a history back so much more uh you think of these venues you you kind of know the 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 guys who've won here in the past and it, it kind of ties different generations together and that to me is also makes it a little bit unique how did how did jack nicholas play these courses or tom watson play these courses versus today's modern players well you know what the golf course isn't all that different now obviously equipment's different and whatnot so the way they play might be different from that standpoint but it's kind of neat it, it's as close as you're going to get to be able to try to compare mm-hmm. generations and so that uh, kind of to me at least uh, is a different way of, of looking at it so. We haven't talked, speaking of, of guys who don't respond well to games of chance, or we talked about Rory a little bit, which is, you know, that was the knock against Rory, was that though he was born in Northern Ireland, he was a really a prototypical American high ball hitter, liked to, liked to play knowing where the ball was going to land as opposed to submitting himself to chance. Um, very weird year for Rory on, you know, um, on a lot of levels. We missed the Open last year because of the injury, and since then – um, very up and down, you know. Where where is he in his season? I, I think we've got as en- as good reason to think that this might be an up week as as we do down. You're right. It, it's so unpredictable because of how inconsistent he seems to have been. But I, you know, I, I think 
I think this is a guy who who's beginning to slowly but surely gear up his game more towards majors than anything else, and, and that's the, the cliched way of, of, of approaching these championships. But I do think there's going to be something different about this week. He, his swing was off at Oakmont. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. I'll be very curious to see how uh, he plays um, – you know, in the preparation going into this because uh, he had some work to do to get some confidence back more than anything mm-hmm. else. I, I, I'm not sure if his game's necessarily off, but I think his head is off right now. Yeah. And so that isn't that doesn't bode well when you go into a week where you're already nervous, am I going to be on the right side of the draw or the wrong side of the draw, and then suddenly um, is my swing going left or right or whatnot. It's amazing how every single tournament he plays in, he has a stretch where you're like, <laughs> here he comes. He's, gonna, he's about to take right. over. Even at Oakmont – he shoots 77 the first day or whatever. The second day, you, you think he's going to break the course record. I mean, he's he's killing it. And then he misses the cut. It's just, uh, he's. It, it reminds me, though, of a couple years ago when he would have this one clunky nine or so every event, and he would finish T4, you know, and he was, and then finally he just burst onto that streak where he won the British, won Firestone, and he won the PGA. And so it, it you know, it makes me think that eventually we're going to see another streak like that from him. But it, it really is frustrating to watch him because he doesn't just have a bad week or a great week. He has these weeks where he's he's both great and bad. And it just <laughs> seems like it happens every time. So, like Ryan said, I mean, who knows what to expect this week. But I do think that the weather forecast being bad is overall not a good sign for him. I will say, as, as off as he was at Oakmont, it was kind of an admiration for me. He's done the rest of the year. I think yeah. heading into Oakmont, he had finished 12th or better in six of his pre- yep. previous seven tournaments. So, yeah, the swing was off in Pittsburgh. But I think going in, I think you fans would expect something good rather than, oh, mm-hmm. man, it's going to be a train wreck again. Jordan Spieth, sort of a similar um, sort of similar deal where he's been great at times. And then, I mean, it's really not bad. I mean, he hasn't had nearly the lulls that, that, that Rory has had. But I guess – the question is: Is he, is he a step removed from where he was a year ago at this time? I, well, I think he recently admitted that he's gotten better every year of his golf career until this year, mm-hmm. and it was really, it was, you know, it was very interesting to hear him say that. He, he was that honest about it, and there are a lot of people covering for him, and, and they should. He's having, he's having a very good year. I mean, if, if again, it's the Masters, the, the back nine meltdown was bad, but. Obviously, two wins, a runner-up at, at a major so far. We're about half, you know, we're halfway through the major season at least. It's not bad. It's just not what we expected in kind of this follow-up year to to what was a historic campaign last year. So, uh, you know, he he, it, it's tough right now. But but again, to hear him say that that just and to hear him say he's going to try to play faster, he's going to try to play with more, you know, be more positive on the course. Those are good things you want to hear. But when you just came off a historic year. I don't know if you you really need to be retooling or doing things differently. So that was those were interesting comments for him. I agree. I think uh, you know when we talked about Oakmont, we talked about how the greens you needed to be a good putter, but you're never going to make a lot of putts on Oakmont greens. Well, at the British Open, and like you said before, you think of the winners making all these bombs and whatnot. Jordan Spieth is is more capable of doing that, I think, than anybody, perhaps except for Jason Day, in this field. But I, I'm, I think I'm with you now more and more I think about it, uh, Alex, because I just don't like that he's starting to think through so many other processes right now. Um, just play. Just play the way you did. If you're going to get a little criticism, you get a little criticism. Mm-hmm. Tiger got it. Everybody gets it. Um, don't, don't, don't shy away too much from what you are as a, as a player. That, that said, um, 
I could see him getting hot this week just because of the putting, and, and I do. I, I could see him factoring, and then he's just got to, to, you know, not battle his own demons, so to speak, but just try to realize, hey, I'm going to be my own golfer and, and, and try to get through this week the way I know how and, and let everybody else talk about my game if they want. Well, I mean, it, it, we shouldn't be surprised at all, right, that, that someone would have a letdown after oh, the season. Yeah. I mean, like you said, just go play golf. Well, it's almost – we see it all the time for years. A guy has a breakthrough – uh, season of some sort and the the expectations rise and the margin for error is much smaller and and suddenly you're you're accustomed to a, a level of success and when you fall short of that your frustration grows so and you've all, got four peers who are suddenly all winning major championships yeah. constantly huh? and that's the other thing is that i mean i love to just tee up alex because you know we talk about tiger is obviously in our in our generation the standard for everyone well tiger had at one point he had VJ. At one point he had Phil Mickelson. Or, but he never had. I don't. He never had a core of guys that that he had to contend with. You know, there was at least one of those guys was going to play well week in and week out. You never had something like that, which which is the dynamic right now, where it's you know Dustin Johnson or Rory or um, Jason Day or even Bubba Watson. There's just I feel like there's there's a half dozen players right now who are collectively stronger than what what Tiger Woods faced a decade ago. That's probably true, but that's really only been the case for the last year. Well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Jordan Spieth era or the Jordan Spieth. uh, Yeah. Well, the Jordan Spieth era has just begun. He's, you know, Mm -hmm. he's in his third full season and, and uh, he's going to win a lot more. I'm sure even no matter who he has to face, but um, no, certainly you could, when you look at, you know, the big three era is already over because Dustin Johnson's number two. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, so you have the you know the, the quote big three plus Dustin Johnson plus Adam Scott really, yeah. who's right there who's still in the prime of his career. Ricky Fowler, um, Ricky Fowler, guys. Well, part of the big let's, four and let's add a couple of bad yeah, weeks. Let's kind of forget him for a bit though because uh, let's make a cut at a major before we put you whoa, in the big four. But um, no, no. But seriously, obviously Fowler's talented too. Uh, you mentioned Bubba. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. You're right. Yeah. So the, the, at the top. There, there are more great players at the top than there, maybe ever though. I mean, it's not. We're not just talking about the Tiger era. I mean, we're talking. No, about I know. I mean, the other era that you always talk about is that sort of Weisskopf, right, Trevino, right. Watson, Nicholas right. era, which is. So it's probably more comparable to that. But but those guys weren't all this young. Not that Adam Scott's young, but he's still in his prime. Sure. Yeah, these sure. other guys are. A lot of these guys are in their twenties. So, no, it's an exciting era. I mean, we, we, you got to see. How many of these guys will keep it up? I mean, we already hear Jason Day talking about retiring when he's forty. So, yeah. you know, who knows what the motivation will be for some of these guys when they've made a hundred million dollars by the time they're thirty. Speaking of spoiled and pampered, uh, a question for you: <laughs> uh, You get off the golf course in Glasgow, or off the plane in Glasgow on Monday. Mm-hmm. You have a tea time at, at Turnberry. Mm-hmm. It is pouring rain. Mm. What do you do? Well, I'll suck it up. I'll try to play. I'm I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. You know, I don't want to let down the the people I'm playing with. Uh, no, I'll play again. It's part of the culture over there. You just kind of <laughs> accept it. I've, that's what I've been told. The first time I played abroad, we got crushed with weather. My phone got uh, broken. It was in my golf bag. It got soaked. So you know, it's tough. You got to ba- but you got to fight through it. It's a major, and since it's a major, and since it's Turnberry, I'll I'll fight through it. Do I'll, it, I'll do I'll it for the Donald. Yeah, I'll, I'll battle. Okay. All right, guys, any closing thoughts before we uh, send you on your way? I think it's going to be a fun week. I think this. Uh, what will be interesting to me is uh, Royal Troon 
the golf course and, and how it sets up because I, I think this is a lot of people know about Royal Troon, but it's not necessarily considered one of the best in this rota either, even though the back nine is a really, really tough back nine. And in watching some of the highlight programs over the course of the last couple of weeks, you get to appreciate that. I'll be curious how the guys play the course and, and whether um, they can take advantage of some of the opportunities on the front nine or whether they're going to just be uh, beaten down by some strong wins on the back nine and you know what the scoring is going to be like. Uh, from that standpoint, that, that to me is the, as big a curiosity as anything else. Hey, Ryan, you just mentioned you know it's not in terms of reputation the prestigious in terms of the rota how much do you think that's predicated off of some of its past winners like yeah you had palmer and, and watson but you had what calcavecchi and leonard before and so i mean does that play into it at all it does i mean i think those tournaments though actually were exciting events even though the winner who, who came out of it wasn't necessarily the the name player so to speak um, you know, watching the highlights uh, of Calc's uh, playoff victory over Norman, there, there's some excitement in that mm-hmm. whole round. Sure. So, but uh, but yes, no, I, I think that you know, I, I just think that the venue in and of itself, in terms of how difficult the golf course is or how memorable the golf course is, is just a little bit different than some of the other, uh, you know, than St Andrews. We're coming off St Andrews, just like Jordan Spieth's coming off a, a great 2015. We're coming off St Andrews, so everything's going to be a little sure. bit of a letdown from that standpoint. But uh, but this is still a really an interesting golf course, and it has some character. And and whether that character really stands up is what I'm I'll be curious about. You know who does not agree with you, by the way, is David Owen, our own David Owen, who ranked his favorite open courses. And I quote: "I don't understand why opens, including this year's, are given to Troon. You play what seems like the same hole over and over <laughs> again. Then you play the postage stamp. Then you play what feels like the same hole over and over again. Again." <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's so it's 11th out of his uh 13 Jeez. courses on the road. Number 1 would be uh would be Royal Portrush which hasn't hosted an open hmm. in 68 years. So um but anyway, I I, I was at Trinity in 04 and I thought it was fantastic. It's a great venue. It was my first open in Scotland and I was totally taken with the charm of the place. It's a it's I mean it's a it's a great venue. It, to to I I you know, I would I wouldn't put it on the level of St Andrews, but I wouldn't put it so mm-hmm. far behind either. I just hope that the weather. I don't know anything about Truon. I mean, I know a little, but I, 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 am looking forward to seeing it up close and personal. David Owen's review is making me a little less enthusiastic about <laughs> it, but um, I just hope that we're, we're not talking about weather as the main story at some point. We don't get a scenario like the Louis Oosthuizen year at, at St Andrews, where just one side of the draw gets completely, you know, lucky. And I, I hope that's the case. Um, and uh, just a final thought for me is that. I bet on Danny Willett at the Masters. I picked Dustin Johnson to win, and I'm going to try to keep it going. Sergio Garcia gets wow. it done. Now, this might be about the 10th time I've picked him to win the British Open, but this is the year. All right, Sergio. We're going to mark that clip and save it so that we can uh, mock re- me replay it when Sergio yeah. misses the cut. <laughs> and I'll be back uh, in about three days for the PGA Championship preview as well. So <laughs> thank you, guys. Right. Ryan Harrington, Alex Myers, Joel Beal. This is Sam Wyman, and we'll talk to you next week on the Golf Digest podcast. 